Hey, I want to talk to you about a very special podcast that is going into its second season, Veronica Mars Investigates. Their second season is going to premiere on March 24th, and a little bit about Veronica Mars Investigates. It is a very, very cool recap podcast, and if you like very, very cool recap podcasts like this one, you're probably going to like that one. It's hosted by Jenny Owen Youngs from the hit Buffy recap podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and Helen Zaltzman from the award-winning entertainment podcasts, The Illusionists, and Answer Me This. They are podcast royalty, and they have come together to create this show about the Veronica Mars television show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars television show, it is a teen comedy drama thriller noir. You can hear the first season of Veronica Mars Investigates now on all the podcast places and at vmipod.com. But season two, March 24th, get ready. You'll enjoy it. The riddle says, he walks on four legs in the morning, he walks on two legs at midday, and at night he slithers from dream to dream, effortlessly, like the air we breathe, and we love him. Good morning, Night Vale. everybody i'm hal lublin the steve carlsberg and i'm symphony sanders the tamika flynn and i'm the meg the shark from that movie from two summers ago the meg i saw that in theaters. based on the book uh, based on the book on the novel push by sapphire <laughs> I actually have a copy of the Meg, the book that I'm looking at right now as it adorns some of the decor in my office. It was a gift. What does it say? What is, I haven't read can it. You, uh, just real quick before you explain what the show is and all that. I just want to hear the bio for the author. Okay. This is the uh, Steve Alten, a novel of deep terror, Meg. If you see her glow, it's too late. About the author. Stephen Alten holds a master's degree in sports medicine what? and has a PhD from Temple University. Oh. An avid amateur oceanographer, Alton has been studying in megalodons for over 10 years. Oh, megalodons? He lives with his wife. <laughs> there you go. Megalodons. <laughs> Cold read. I have a bad track record with ocean things right now. Okay. Um, he lives with his wife. <laughs> lives with his wife and three children in South Florida. Meg is his first. And last. Novel. Wait, why is it his last? Is he dead? No, I don't know if it's his last. I can't imagine. I mean, he's an amateur oceanographer. He's got other shit he's got going on. Okay. He's going to James Cameron it, go to the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be in the Marianas Trench in no time. What a weirdo, that guy. James Cameron. Maybe this guy, too? I I don't know. What's a megalodon? Megalodon. megalodon? It's a dinosaur. Yeah. It's a big prehistoric shark. Oh, okay. So that's what this whole book is about that I never read. Yeah, that's what the Meg is. The Meg in, mm. in the Meg is Megalodon, but also there's a Shark Attack Three Megalodon, which is way better at being a terrible movie than the Meg is. I highly recommend it to everybody. I've seen neither one of those things. You're okay. And if you're uh, just joining us for the first time on episode forty, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is Good Morning Night Vale, the podcast that looks at other podcasts and thinks, "Hey, other podcast, what a time, huh?" Uh, but no, we're here to celebrate. Celebrate and dissect the hit beautiful podcast, Welcome to Night Vale. And we are a group of friends and amateur oceanographers who are here to make a show with you and for you. 
On this episode, the deft Bowman is described as the telephone service finally fixes the only telephone booth in town and a submarine arrives from far away Nulagorsk. Plus, a new campaign from the tourism board. We meet our station's new program director and strange texts from a mountaintop. If you can believe that, I think we can. Let's talk about it. This episode, I feel like was a little bit of a, I don't know, it was a little bit more chill. I mean, just knowing like what we're building up to, it's like, I liked, it wasn't like too, there wasn't like a big bad. It was just like, it was mysterious. Like the, the new Ligorsky in uh, thing coming in was pretty mm-hmm. scary because we don't know what happens, but it ends up being really nice. I think. Yeah. This episode, I have to say, really blew my mind. Uh, I, I get what you're saying about like the kind of difference in tone and that how yeah. it's not like huge, crazy plot things happening. There is kind of like, we are kind of in a B plot the whole episode. Which, yeah, which is really rad, um, yeah. I think. This one was written with Zach Parsons, and it does this thing where it is it is in the intro in the script book. He says that it is based on the Able Archer in 83, uh, which was the military war game that kind of went wrong that NATO was doing that Russia thought was real. And then Russia was like, okay, fire the missiles. And they almost blew up the whole damn world. But the, the guy who <laughs> was in charge of actually firing the missiles was like, nah, dude, this can't be right. We're not doing this. So right. it's like the, the one man, one man's decision is responsible for the entire trajectory of our world and planet. Um, and so we bring in the Nulagors thing, which is like the city that may have stopped existing in 1983 because of right. the absence of that man. And now we are here with the deft bowman or the able archer. And if the guy, okay, so here's the part that I didn't understand. So we, okay, they kept sending letters and it kept being from 1983, even though it was like 1997 or whatever when they stopped writing them. So then this dude shows up from Nulagorsk. And it says that everybody was, like, annihilated via the Night Vale, like, newspaper or whatever. It's, like, weird time discrepancy. And is it on Night Vale's side or is it on the Nulagorsky inside because of whatever thing went off? Yeah. And I don't know. Is it, like, parallel universe stuff? Lots of questions. I think it being, Nulagorsk being a sister city of Night Vale, it has maybe follows some of the similar rules of Night Vale as far as time is concerned. So there are parallel universes, there are multiple timelines, time is weird. And if it's that way in Night Vale, then presumably it's that way in Nulagorsk. So it's very possible in one of the alternate realities of Nulagorsk, all of those things happened. Although there is their their idea of like we got to 1997 and it was clear that they were going to stay in 1983, so we just stopped writing them, which yeah. seems odd. It seems like wouldn't both places be stuck, or is Nightvale stuck in a different year? So there is that idea of maybe the only rule is that there is no rule as far as time goes. So you have one sister city or pen pal city that's stuck in 83. There's another one stuck in 2099. Uh, yeah, this is like an interesting one that's going regular. And then, yeah, you make a good point, Symphony, that this is sort of a calm before the storm because think business is about to pick up over the next several episodes as we sort of work our way towards old oak doors. And this is sort of like the B plot is the A plot overall. So we get a break from mm-hmm. it, which is nice, but it's also cool. Like it does move forward a little bit. You do get Laura and Mallard in there, which I know we'll touch on in a little bit. 
Um, you do have Dana sending texts. You have the idea that mountains mm-hmm. exist, which is a big sort of a truth bomb to throw in the middle of, of the Night Vale world. So I, I enjoy that part of it. it. Sort of gives them license because they're living in the B story to make it really bizarre, like like you were talking about, Meg. How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, we get the we get the Lauren Mallard makes her first vocal appearance, played by uh Lauren Sharp, mm-hmm. neo futurist, ballet dancer, mother of twins, Lauren Sharp. Um Did you say ballet be or belly? Ep- ballet. Who declined <laughs> to be interviewed for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, Lauren is a, a lovely person and a friend. She Her schedule is just not accommodating for us right now. Hopefully one day we can have her on. She's a neo-futurist. Uh, so as in the grand tradition of casting for Welcome to Night Vale, uh, you just pull from the neo-futurist ensemble, with the exception of Hal and Symphony. Hal, you come from thrilling. So yes. it's like you're either a neo-futurist or thrilling or your symphony, and that's how you got involved in our show. Yeah, I was going to say, Symphony, <laughs> you and I, and, and, and Gagliardi too, are we really the only regular... Well, I guess I guess the three of us. M- Mara. Mara. Jessica. Well, Jessica came. Yeah. Jackson. We met Jessica through the neo futurist. But it does seem like the majority of people have, have some neo futurist connect. It's weird to like now I'm talking about. I'm like, is it just us? And then I named like five more people. But it does feel like like the neo future. Like I have never uh, seen uh, what was uh, too much light makes the baby go blood. Like I haven't come to see it yet. I don't think I've been in town when it's happening. It happened. Every Friday and Saturday night, Hal. Is it every Friday and Saturday night? Well, every when I'm in Friday town, and Saturday do, night. That's when I do shows. Yeah, exactly. Well, in if, in Chicago, they do a Sunday mat, not a matinee. They do a Sunday early show, which is like no. a seven thirty show. It's a seven. Seven. Thank you. All this Symphony to say, lives, lives set, adjacent yes, to the sh- Chicago Neo Futurarium. I like having a concept <laughs> in my head of what it is. Like, I do want to come see it at some point, but I also like that it's sort of vague. Like, yeah. I just hear stories of, I did this play where this happened, or we did these plays where this where these things happened, and I just like trying to picture exactly what it is and play it out in my head, like, very vividly. Don't ever come see the show, Hal. Keep it, keep the, the theater of your mind is the theater that I want to make. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come, but I'm going to close my eyes <laughs> and put on earmuffs. It would be cool if you could see your friends do it. I'm trying to think. There's like, yeah. Well, Cecil's doing it in San Francisco this month. Um, but like, if you could see us all together doing it, just like those old days. Yeah. Maybe uh, y'all could put on a show for me. Oof. Is that we could do weird? it in your living room. We could just, yeah, just rock up to Symphony your Symphony and I room. will be the audience. I'm sure Just Jam do your favorites, like best of. Yeah, give us, yeah. Yeah. Give us the best of. We'll just yell numbers. Like I'll, I'll teach them how to do the thing. I'll just be like. 15! Yeah. Yeah. And you'll just have to do a play of yours. Well, anyway. that's that, guys. So, yeah. So, Lauren Sharp, who voices Lauren Mallard. We get to uh, have, have Lauren Mallard become part of this. And this very, uh, this conversation, which starts out, is very fun and refreshing. And we're like, okay, maybe this is, you know, things could work out here. And then it just kind of turns on a dime. And you're like, oh, no, yeah. danger, danger, Carlos. No. And I bet you there were a ton of people who were like, don't you dare touch our Carlos because he's a good egg, that scientist. And she's kind of not threatening, but being like basically like taking note of like all the things that Carlos has done to potentially thwart Strexcorp's advances. So I don't know. I'm, I'm questioning their, her motives. She's just, she's nice on the outside. She's rotten on the inside. That's she has a passion for radio. Yeah. But <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? We all that's why we we're all here because we love radio. That's why we podcast. It's our love of radio. Right? I think this is such a great performance. I really like Lauren's work. 
on on Night Vale. And obviously the stakes get raised as we move forward. But here there's just enough insidiousness and that idea of asking for this information and then her reaction when she finds out the name that she's like clocking it so that she knows who to go after. Right. There's no question that that she's being fishy. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really well – it's very nuanced as a performance, which is not – you know, it's – I think it's even more of a challenge when you're working in audio only because you don't get the glance. You don't get the facial expression that's going to read that sort of uh, – there's something wrong with her. Right. Even though she's delivering it a certain way. Shade. And she, she works that shade in really, really beautifully. It's a really nice, subtle uh, piece of acting that comes across really well. Yeah, it's not too many lines either. Really, it is It is just a few things. And then there is some of the repetition of the name Carlos that she mm-hmm. starts to weaponize, which is cool. Yes. She's like, yes. She gets it and then she uses it to like let you know it's fishy. And then she throws it out like a, like a little shot fired across the bow. Carlos. Yeah. yeah, it really is a very strong <laughs> performance in a very short little space. Which is great. That's what neo-futurists do. It's a shame she declined to talk to us about it. She could have been showered with all this praise in person. That's okay. We'll get her one day. Tell her in person. She really is an incredibly lovely, lovely human. I didn't mean to throw shade. (laughs) No, no, no. I think she is lovely too in the the limited amount of time I've spent with her. Yeah, she's just too very busy. She's just busy for us. And um, she's very important, obviously. (laughs) I do love the line, teeth like a military cemetery. And that's from like way back, like in in our in the first description, yeah. I know, I just love it. Teeth like a military cemetery. Speaking of fishy, even in the next section, they're talking about from the Night Vale Marine Biologists Association. The ocean is full of things that would like to kill you, and other things that would would ignore you or not understand you, and then eventually kill you because they do not have the same understanding or valuation of life and death as humans. And I think that's totally true. I believe that's true of the ocean. It is a big, scary place, and there's lots of scary stuff in it, like narwhals. Which, up until <laughs> very, very recently, I was not aware were real. <laughs> I said this out loud at an aquarium <laughs> when I was confronted with a large fiberglass sculpture of a narwhal. I was with Joseph and I said, are, are they real? Are narwhals, I didn't, are narwhals actually real? And he laughed in my face. And it was a good thing we were in a country where there was not a lot of English being spoken so that people could not overhear that I was confused about the narwhals, which are in fact real. And they do use the, their horn for weird sex things. If you were thinking that it has been confirmed by Google. So now you know. And now I know. Well, I think it's not unreasonable, entirely unreasonable to think that because they look so like if you saw like a picture or something of one, you'd be like, oh, that thing couldn't possibly be real because it's crazy looking. But a lot of things in the ocean are crazy looking like you go way deep down, you know, and all those things that are bioluminescent Mm -hmm. or they're like real long or the giant squids or something. That's that's messed up. And I, I'm not here for that. I will stay right here on the land. I'm not James Cameron trying to delve <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean. I'm good. One of the things I love about the ocean is the scale of the creatures in it. We don't necessarily have that scale on land or not anymore. Like they have, there's the microscopic bioluminescent tiny, tiny life forms. And then there are like 
sperm whales and blue whales that are just absolutely gigantic. And it's like, it's just, there's so much, there's so much scale there. We don't have scale here. Like what's the biggest thing we have? Like a moose? <laughs> no, elephant. Elephants. elephants. Okay. Elephants. elephants. A moose. <laughs> I, oh, like, I don't think we'll ever top the moose. <laughs> I think They're big. They are big. Moose, moose are, are big. big, though. Moose are very People big. People don't realize how big they are. Yeah. I guess maybe giraffe are big, too, an elephant. But their whales are bigger. They're little long. They're, like, long more than... I mean, they're tall, but they're not, like, big wide. Yeah, they don't, like, displace like, a lot of water. Elephants are big yeah. and wide. Uh, I have yeah. two stories for both of you. One of them is me being afraid in the ocean. The other one is me being afraid in a pool. Which one do you want to hear first? The ocean. Ooh, ocean. When I was uh, younger, maybe 12 or 13, I was down the shore in Margate, and I was in the water. I was walking. It was like waiting around. And as you get later in the summer, the jellyfish show up. And the jellyfish will sting you. So you have to get away from the jellyfish. And they glow. Been there. Bioluminescent. So I'm standing there and I am like waist deep in water. I'm like sort of waiting, you know, using my hands to sort of paddle myself forward as I'm walking. And then I realize my hand is inches away from a jellyfish just floating in the water. And have you ever seen like in a Three Stooges where they suddenly pop out of a lake and run across the surface of the water? <laughs> that happened as I made yeah. it back to shore because I was so afraid that a jellyfish would sting me and I would either have to pee on myself or... I would have to get like a sh- – like I don't know. It's going to stab me and I'll like fall into a coma. I didn't know what was going to happen. So that's my ocean story. I heard the pee thing doesn't work. I'm sure it doesn't, but it's hilarious for everybody else. And and one person is really into it. They're like, oh, you should probably let me pee on you. That's probably uh, what will fix it. Or <laughs> there's somebody out there constantly trying to get stung by jellyfish. Like, oh, I heard you know, the only way you can do this is to pee. So – and so weird that this. Yeah, there's an app for that now. You don't need a jellyfish. It's, it's uh, the app is actually called Jellyfish. Oddly enough. <laughs> Ooh, let's uh, call. Let's call Silicon Silicon Valley right now and let them know about our new app idea. Where trademark. Yeah. Swipe someone to pee on you, and it's called Jellyfish. <laughs> Flush right. All right. That's. <laughs> What's the pool one? When I was uh, nine years old, after the movie Cocoon came out. I became afraid to yeah. go in the pool at the swim club because I thought those cocoons would be in there. But instead of giving me life, I thought they would suck me down into the cocoon and murder me. So in clear water with a visible bottom of the pool, I was still scared to not be visually engaged with what was underneath me because I thought one of those cocoons would grab me and I would be dead at the hands of an alien. You missed the whole point of this movie. <laughs> I did, but they were scary looking. And they're like these... It's like a think about it. That pool is like in an old abandoned building, and it's got hairy cocoons in it that are filled with aliens. And we're supposed to believe that Donna Michi is going to live forever now, and there's no terrible price to pay. Come on, something terrible is going to happen. And sure <laughs> enough, Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy and Donna Michi are no longer with us. Cocoons got them. Sooner or later, that cocoon gets you. Nothing you can do about it. I do still sometimes think about it in some pools. Not most, but some. I think this could be a cocoon pool. Yeah, I sometimes get skewed out by the ocean. I love the ocean, but sometimes yeah. you just like, you know, you touch something weird or you step on a fish or something like moves past you and you're yeah. just like, Ugh, nah, dude, it doesn't feel right. I would wear uh, those shoes, those like water shoes, because I was afraid a crab would was going to like crimp off my toe. Yeah. And they do. 
they don't like ever don't get your toe, but you like feel them. They like they they <clears throat> they go for you, and then you pull your foot away, and you're like son of a bee. Yeah, you take a step, and then there's something like all of a sudden you're the ground is <laughs> trying to walk you somewhere, like you're on the Flintstones. Like no thanks, crab. I uh, don't. I'm not one of the ones that eat you. Can we like? I'm sorry. The ocean's for everybody. <laughs> this is a ridiculous story. So Joseph and I were in uh, New Zealand on Waikiki Island, and we were in our hotel, and we could see the ocean from our room, and we saw an orca swimming at the beach outside of our hotel, and we were like, "Oh my god!" So we it was like really incredible, and we suited up and got out there to go swim with it. I don't know what the fuck we were like. Let's get out there with an orca. So we were what? like, "Let's just go see what it's you like." You guys are gonna be blackfish. Yeah. So we went out there, and we I said we both walked into the water. Like about knee deep and this huge fucking stingray like swam right by me and then there was like another one another huge fucking stingray and what happened was is that the orca had chased all of the stingrays into the shallows there so we we're not going to oh, swim God. with an orca in two feet of water but there were all of these stingrays just like there oh my god and we were like we gotta get out of here we named all of them. Oh. We were like, that one's Raylene. That one's Rashawn. <laughs> that is Raymond. That is Rochelle. Uh, <laughs> just anyway. So they're, they're weird to swim with because they're like sea flap flaps. They're large too. <laughs> is that the one that killed Steve Irwin? He, I don't know. He, he, I don't think he was doing the right thing with that. And he uh, took a something to the heart, right? He got stabbed through the a heart. stinger. Yeah. It's, it stung him like right through his chest. Uh. Yeah, you wandered into like uh, an orca's golden corral. Yeah, like it had it all set up. It's like I'm gonna go eat, and lo and behold, here come two people. Like we must <laughs> swim with you. Oh shit! Look at all these fucking stingrays. Yeah, I don't think we were trying to swim with the orca, but we were definitely <laughs> trying to like get down on the beach to just like see it a little closer. But but you were in close, and like you could see it not knee deep, right? Like didn't you? Wasn't there party that was like maybe we'll swim together and I'll be friends? Yeah, that's a big, a big part of me. <laughs> yeah, of course. I would feel the same way. I'd be like, maybe I can communicate with animals. I would not. And I could do it. Symphony's in the in the hotel that's in the middle of the island where there's no water nearby. Let me call her and see if she wants to head on down here. <laughs> I will stand on the balcony and look at you and film so that we'll have something for the for the video people on the show I survived. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that cocoon thing, how made me think of that part when Cecil tried texting Dana back and his phone, his phone just displayed a photograph of his face that was like rotting and like getting old and like the white hair was growing and insects were crawling from uh, the sunken, uh, from his slack decayed maw. That made me think of that. What do you guys think about the text? First of all, that that when I uh, that part always reminds me. Uh, it makes me think about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when the bad guy drinks out of the wrong goblet. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of like that. Uh, the Holy Grail, the Holy Grail, right? But it, like uh, the wrong, the wrong one. It was too ornate. That was the problem. That makes me think of that, and it creeps me out. So there's a lighthouse on top of the mountain, like the lighthouse from the picture in the house that doesn't exist. Yes. On the mountain. But mountains aren't real. And then there's the blinking red light. Right. So we don't technically know that mountains are even really real. It's just they're real. And I'm doing that in quotation marks in the netherworld, the other world. Because nobody, I mean, we've had one mountain confirmation 
earlier on. But this, they were like, oh yeah, mount, there's mountains. So who knows? Found a mountain. Mountain's not real. Huh. I did love the part of the text where I was like, that's so relatable about um, when she wrote log those. Dang it. Lighthouse. Sorry. Stupid <laughs> autocorrect. I do that all the time. Oh, yeah. I rely on it. And it's sometimes when you rely too heavily on something, it can turn around and bite you directly, directly in your ass. Sometimes I think I'm clicking the word I want because it always puts the word you're trying to type in quotation marks as in like, this isn't a real yeah, word. Yeah. Okay, sure. Batmobile. And then you click it, but it still is like, no, dummy, I'm going to make it uh, bats mobile or whatever, like whatever it changes it to. Which is Which totally is, ridiculous yeah, and wouldn't make any still, sense to anyone. Attention. But you could also do that game where you text somebody using the predictive text and you just keep hitting words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the phones are dumb. Phones are dumb. Smartphone. Phones phone. are How about dumb. dumb phone, right? Right. That's a good <laughs> Am I right? Am I? My autocorrect, I just keep yelling at it because I'm like, I'm never saying ducking. <laughs> Not once am I saying ducking. You guys know what I'm saying. Someone tweeted the other day that they're like, I'm never saying ducking. Also, I never thought about like ducking, like like move your head ducking. I always think like the animal ducking. <laughs> and I'm like, I always think <laughs> the animal ducking. I never think about like the active like ducking. Yeah. I think of like, what the yeah. fuck could a duck be ducking? Like, <laughs> I always think of it as like making a duck face. Like person, you're, like yeah. you're putting your lips out. A, like, du- a duck being yeah. like. Yeah, it sounds like it's trying to censor you, where it's like, instead of fucking, it says ducking. And you're like, yeah, okay, ducking. Yeah, duck you. You ducker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like, what is this, TBS? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's just a, a word that is used a lot to describe the physical act of ducking. Yeah. Right. Which is an actual thing. Let's talk about my girl, Megan. Oh, Megan. Yeah. Okay. I Okay, first of all, I wrote in my notes... That I was like, oh, Megan, um, right before, like before we found out that it was going to the man in the section before the weather, when they were like, oh, yeah, written on the back was a message like one adult man missing hand and other items. And I wrote, OMG, Megan Wallaby. (laughs) I had and I like as I was like listening, I was like, oh, my God, what Megan Wallaby. Personally, I thought that the hand was already detached, like was detached from the man and then was animated as Megan Wallaby. But obviously it was born as the hand and then it's now being attached to the man. So I don't know, that doesn't make real sense, but I love it. I like it that they she found her realness. And she's got a long way to go, but but one day. I hope she does fully recover. It would be interesting to hear a child's voice come out of like a big... Because the man is 6'10". Right. Yes. And he's got a bunch of, like, tattoos and stuff. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of having, like, a little child inside a giant man's body. Also, is this whole thing a ghost story, too? Like, the story of the submarine and, like, a nuclear attack decimates Nulagorsk. And yet, they still receive letters. It's just frozen in whatever date the disaster happened. So... This idea that you can continue correspondence from beyond the grave or wherever, yeah, whatever dimension these people are writing from, that they're able to keep up correspondence, but nothing ever moves forward for them. It's that idea of like, I don't know if it's unfinished business, but you're just frozen in the moment when you passed away. Yeah, maybe. I mean, 
that is like a lot of the lore in any sort of ghost thing is that they're like reliving or continually staying in the status that they were when they died. Um, I've always thought about that. Like if I died and I died in a bad outfit, I'd be really upset about it. I'd be really upset if I died and didn't have a chance to like eat whatever the hell I wanted like right before. I think that's how I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, what if you, like, what if you died and like the last thing you ate was like something just like deeply unsatisfying? Like a kale salad? Like a quick granola bar. I, I would, I could go with like after a really good kale salad. Or a bad peach. Oh. Oh, or like it's a, not like ripe yet? honeydew, honeydew from a fruit salad. Oh, yeah. Gross. A bunch of a uh, bag of raisins, but they all still have the stems on them. Oh, or they're all the old hard one. Yeah. Oh. We're like, maybe it's a rat duty. Maybe some of these aren't <laughs> raisins. I have no way to prove it. Like it like gets like gritty on your teeth. Like it's like a little bit of sand. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Or a hot chocolate, but made with water. Oh, and like it's like a diet hot chocolate. That's like yeah. the, the oh, fake God. sugar. Oh, yeah, low sugar, something you're it's, like, get out of here with that. It's a Swiss Miss locale sugar-free hot chocolate made with steaming tepid water. And that. Wait, water made from a, a coffee pot that hasn't been cleaned recently. Yeah, yeah, that tastes a little bit like coffee, like old coffee, like old Folgers. <laughs> yes. Are we all saying that we're all going to die under the control of Jigsaw? This is our <laughs> hell. This is our game. hell. I want you to drink this weird coffee water. <laughs> That's actually that would be our own hell with a bunch of like mediocre or kind of terrible food. Yeah. And that was all that there was to eat. Like a low sodium Amy's can of soup. <laughs> uh, 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 you don't you don't want to die trying to be good with a meal. Yeah, carrot sticks from a gas station. <laughs> uh, oh, what's why are they slimy? Why are they yeah. always slimy? Why are they cut into squares? And so wet. What are they doing with the rest of the carrot? That's like a lot of carrot left. It's a waste. It's a waste of carrot. Anyway. So yeah, so maybe they're stuck in time forever. Also, the, when you were saying that, I was thinking that like also they could just be at a considerable distance and like have lost the ability to communicate from it. Like think mm. about like the speed of sound and the speed of light and how like the lights from, you know, hundreds of years ago. This is me being totally sciencey with my knowledge of astronomy, like lights from thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago yeah. have yet to reach us and Right. So it could be like it could just be a change in distance. That is uh, totally reasonable. So I did a little research about Znulagorsk is the sister city of Night Vale, some of the sister cities of our cities. So oh. um, Chicago, uh, your sister cities, you have there's lots of them. Yeah, I know. Which is great. We all should be having sisters. I have one. She's great. Um, but Chicago has many. <laughs> I just picked a few. Bogota. Great. Delhi. Belgrade. And Birmingham, Alabama. No, Birmingham, UK. Not oh, Birmingham. wow. Yeah. I've been to both of those, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I would like to go to Bogota, though. Of that list, I would go to Bogota. Have your own palace. Coke palace. <laughs> yes. Well, I am a Scarface, so. Yeah. So, Hal, we have Los Angeles. There's uh, Athens, um, mm-hmm. Greece, Auckland, New Zealand, Mexico City. Oh. You have good ones. Also, New York City, uh, Santiago, Chile is a New York City one. Philly, Tel Aviv, Florence, Kobe, which I thought was interesting. because Wait, Philly is a sister city of Los Angeles? Yeah. Sisters of Philadelphia are Tel Aviv, Florence, and Kobe. Or Kobe. 
I've been to Tel Aviv and Florence. Huh. You should go to Kobe and have them make you a cheesesteak with their Kobe beef. Yes. Give me your Kobe <laughs> beef cheesesteak. What is the cheapest version of your Kobe beef you can grill <laughs> it's up? It's like $400 for that. I have a, <laughs> I have a side whiz. note about Kobe beef in a second. But first I have to say, my small upstate town uh, mm-hmm. is the sister city to Masha, Palestine. Oh. oh. Interesting. It has one sister city. but just one. Just one. And that well, is it. Don't know why. I'll have to look into that later. Anyway, back to the beef. Um, so when I was in Japan recently, uh, went to the grocery store and just like a like a normal grocery store. This one was actually a little bit extra, but it was just like a actually it was like a discount grocery store. And in the meat section, you go up to the meat and it's packaged, you know, like meat um, in like you know styrofoam and saran and has a sticker on it. And on the sticker, there's a barcode, and you can take that barcode and put it into a website, and the website will tell you where the cow was born where the cow was raised, the name of the what? farmer who raised it, where it was slaughtered, and the date it was slaughtered. Oh, no thanks. Each cow has an individual number. And like I looked into the meat case and saw like a skirt cut from the same cow as the rib cut, as the T-bone, as the, like, you can, it was like all the same cow. Wow. In the deli case. And this is just like standard practice for them. This is like a normal thing. This was not like I was at like the Whole Foods bougie, bougie ass grocery store. This was like a discount grocery store. Is there one that's like, this cow was texting while driving? (laughs) (laughs) That's why, that's why you're just sort of getting a lump of meat with a bone sticking out of it. See, kids, don't text and drive. Don't text that and drive. That was my lesson for all of you. I don't know. I like that because it makes you feel like you're responsible. You know, like, where it came from, whence it came from. Yeah. And then also, like, if something were to go bad, if they were to be like, oh, we found a, you know, a disease from this farm, you could very quickly be able to pull that beef off the shelves without having to pull all of the beef off the shelves. You know, and I have to having to waste all that food. Like, think about it. There was like, like recently there was like the E. coli thing with the lettuce. And so for a while we just destroyed. Multiple times. And, like, and we just destroyed every head of romaine in the entire U.S. Yeah. as a result. And there was Burn no it. way yeah. to like kind of dial down and figure out where exactly it was coming from or be able to pull from that, which you can do when you have this sort of system. And it's just like someone's paying attention, you know, someone's looking out. Hmm. Well, I like it. And I also like that our sweet Megan is going to make it in life. And it's wonderful for her. I do have to say at the end, when they talk about the basketball thing, that cracked me up because I hate basketball. <laughs> oh. Here's why, Hal. Because I, w- I was a cheerleader for so long. And I hate the squeaking of the shoes. Drives me nuts. That's, see, to me, that's like... I love that sound because it reminds me of basketball. But I understand that. It is – I can see how it's nails on a chalkboard. Well, and especially since I was, like, exposed to it, like, up close for so long. I was just, like, I hate this. And it was just, like, a bad thing. But I do like the the idea that it's, like, you know, two universities select a dozen students to perform unnatural physical tests on a wooden rectangle inside a cavernous scream chamber. And that's what I remember what it's like on the floor because, like – I'm down, you're down there with the players and there's all these people up in the stands just like screaming and yelling and, and like there's band stuff and like people banging on things. And that's why I understand why I feel bad for players when they can't handle the pressure of all of that. When people are like, oh, he choked, he choked. It's like, yeah, because people were screaming and banging like little click clacks together. 
That's not the word for it. Yeah. When I used to go see uh, college basketball, with I would go with my, my parents. My parents were very much into their alma mater's college basketball team. And I'd go to the games with them. And they were lots of fun. And the... The, the home team's fans would sit behind the, the, the basketball, the hoop on one side. And when the other team was shoot, shooting foul shots, the fans like went on Facebook and like Googled these players and found out the names of like their moms and their girlfriends. And they would just like shout <laughs> out their names as they were taking the shot. So they'd be like at the uh. line about to shoot and they'd be like, Stacy. And uh, like they would just like scream the name of their mom or their girlfriend or their sister. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, the hilarious. internet. Frightening and hilarious. Yeah, that's terrifying. How's Doris? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, that's ingenuity that you like went and you looked at the roster of the other team. You found them on Facebook. You found their like their their inner circle and remembered their names. And now now there are 150 of you screaming their name. <laughs> there is a guy at Sixers games, or there was for a while, who instead of bringing one sign to insult the other team would bring a whiteboard <laughs> and write messages and then erase and write new ones so you, he would get like four or five signs out of a game and uh it turns out he's the older brother of the man who married my first cousin oh what so it's all in the family it's all in the family wow i'd like to talk about some the use of literary devices in this episode uh, let's do it i'd like to talk about uh i found three similes that i found to be very striking Okay. Um, if you if you turn to page one forty nine of the great glowing coils of the universe, uh, you will find um, in the the second paragraph in this part where they're talking about the telephone service, um, the crew coming to yes. work on the telephone service. They wore wooden suits, climbed the nearby pole, and clattered around like so many bamboo wind chimes filled with hamburger. Very good. I love that one. I I underlined that one as well because I was like. Oh, okay. And I, it was just so visible. It was just so like a visual thing. You could and hear it. The, you could feel the it. Types, yeah. And the type of guys yeah. that are usually doing that sort of thing, you're like, I know that guy. Yep. And if you turn to page 151 of the Great Glowing Coils of the Universe, to the second paragraph, you will find when they're uh, talking about the sheriff's spokes being. The spokes being responded to follow-up questions by cocking their head and slowly blinking their milk glass eyes like an animal watching an insect crawl across the floor. I found that one to be evocative as well. Very evocative. And it's the third one. If you turn to page 155 of the Great Glowing Coils of the Universe, in the fourth paragraph down, you will uh, find the description of Megan rising from her bed like a man balancing the weight of a wet overcoat on a failing hanger. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that one as well. I mean, many of us who've had uh, wire hangers in the past yeah. know that feeling of being like, oh, well, or had to put a dress on a hanger mm-hmm. that doesn't have like any th- sort of hook. And you're like precariously balancing it on the thing. And you're like, hold as you're trying to put it in the back in the closet or whatever. So it doesn't crumple onto the floor. But then inevitably... It does. Yes. It's just a very evocative image. You think of like a a woolen overcoat that is completely soaked and you come in from the rain and you try to hang it up and you have the flimsy dry cleaner hanger and it's all you have (laughs) and it's already been bent because you live in Trump's America. So you have to use the coat hanger for other things. So you then put the the sodden overcoat on this misshapen tool of a hanger and that is what it is like. (laughs) 
Up next, we're going to hear from fans and friends of the podcast about their theories, comments, and questions. But first, a conversation about this episode's weather, which was offering by Black City Lights. Okay, guys. I was taking a bath while listening to this episode. So when this song came on, and you guys know how I do baths. I do it up. You know, I've got the candles going. I've got like stuff propped up all over the place and like i had my book you have a plate of chicken teriyaki <laughs> today <laughs> it was a, t- no joke today i had a spare rib pop- popper oh damn <laughs> it was leftovers it was great live your life because <laughs> you know what i'm if i'm hungry and i need to take a bath i'm gonna do both at the same time son i am a efficient woman and i only had so much time so I did that, and I was sitting in the bathtub. I had finished my Pappardelle. I was drinking a nice rosé, and I was like, la, 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 listening to this episode. And then Offering came on, and I felt so witchy. It mm-hmm. made me feel like this is what I want to play. This song is what I want to play. I've also been watching a lot of The Outlander, so I want to be in some sort of rock formation on a full moon in a wispy white dress praising the goddess. You know what I mean? I do. To me, it plays like a song that would be at the end of a John Hughes movie. Yeah, I thought, I wrote this down as, this song is kind of 80s, which yeah. is interesting because it's like 1983. I was like, this it has like sort of a, yeah, 80s an vibe. 80s, 80s vibe to it. Yeah, it feels like something, like as it's playing, you just hear somebody. In fact, uh, can we lay this under what I'm about to say right now? All right, here we go. Hey, you know, if, if you can't be with me, I'm just glad you can be happy. Right on. Or, uh, hey kid, you're not all bad. But one day, you might be really good. Just put the music under each of those. <laughs> those scenes? As yeah. I'm, I'm also doing that in quotation marks. Uh, one more, one more. Hey kid. Did a great job today. Oh, hold on. I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> boom, boom. I think that'll be good with the music under. I think it'll it, it plays better that way. I think that'll really drive the joke home. It'll drive but, the joke home. Yeah. It'll open up the door. It will yeah. kiss a good night. Mm-hmm. It will, yeah. It will close the door behind it. Get into its uh, expensive convertible that it shouldn't be able to own and drive away. And then raise its fist in the air. This is a New Zealand band, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It's from, they're from Willi- Wellington, New Zealand. Wellington? Hello. Hope you enjoy our music. Hope you like it. <laughs> they're a dark pop, cold, <laughs> cold wave uh, is how they identify. They broke up in... Fi- no, I don't have it. Lost it tonight. They broke up in February 2015. Couldn't stay together. We tried to make it work. We said, <laughs> we're sorry. We couldn't do it. And yet, but then, we've got our music here. Never, ever again. Never, it, ever. Sweet as, enjoy the music. We hope you like what we already have out there. They submitted their, their song for the weather. I believe it was from the weather submissions that we uh, came across the uh, this uh, this song by, uh, what is it, uh, the Black City Lights. Black City Lights. We hope you enjoy this little song we put together. You guys, I think it's really it's really coming together, our accents. <laughs> Yeah, we're do- we're doing it. I'm putting this on my reel. Every episode. Don't, don't add us. Don't add us. 
Um, it oh, made me wish good. that we had some sort of, oh yeah, just at, um, at Janina Matthewson. <laughs> yeah, please. I, I was trying to think of the, uh, the, uh, Night Vale Presents, uh, collaborator who would be most offended by our accents. And that would be New Zealand's own Janina. Hello, Janina. Co-writer <laughs> within the wires. We sure do hope we don't offend you with our accents <laughs> from New Zealand, from Wellington in Auckland, from the North Island. Yep, it's okay. Marlborough Wine Region. Yeah, we did Lord of the Rings here with Bilbo Beggins, a really nice little guy. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson <laughs> is here with Widow Digital Workshop. It's also here. It's down in Wellington, Auckland, sister city of Philadelphia, where I'm from, from the northeastern region. Sure do like it there. It's actually LA sister city. Whoops, that's the sister city where I live now. What is it? Is Willington <laughs> Philadelphia's sister city? I just made it up. No, it's Florence and Tel Aviv <laughs> in Israel. You know, it's not quite there, but sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, this is who I am now. Should we go to the fan zone? <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. We should uh, have a sausage sizzle and... Uh... Take the sausage sizzle and put it inside uh, some pizza dough. Oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> put it inside the calzone. Put it inside the calzone. Fans on calzone. Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native Deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum-free, so you're not going to be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're going to have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally-derived deodorant that actually works. Native Deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning.
live from the fresh hot filling of the Calzone, we have Logan. Logan who writes to us, Meg, Symphony, and Hal. Hey guys, my name's Logan, and I'm sending in my headcanon for Lauren Mallard. So I imagine Lauren to be in her mid-30s with the I want to speak to your manager face. Not the haircut, but the face. With straight chocolate brown hair that goes to her mid-waist. I also imagine that she wears an orange button-up shirt with bloodstains and a knee-length black pencil skirt. Thank you all so much. I love the show so much. Thank you for everything you all have done. Good vibes, Logan. And then uh, Logan has included the alien face. Thank you, Logan. Yeah, Lauren Sharp for a bit had has chocolate brown hair that went to her midway. So there is there is that element. I like the the trajectory of the I want to speak to your manager face. I also and maybe now, which has affected my head canon because now in my head canon she has the haircut too. Yeah, I right. feel like the face has to go with the haircut personally. Yeah. Because if you have like the serious, I want to talk to your manager face, but then you have like a flouncy haircut, I don't think the manager's going to really take you seriously and take that extra chocolate brownie sundae off of your bill. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Oh, no, so it's me. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. I was like, I thought somebody else was going to say something about it, and they are not. Okay. Oh, uh, we have nothing ne- else to say. Thank you, Logan. I'm hungry. <laughs> Next up in the fan zone, we have Lily. Lily writes, Howdy, Meg, Hal, and Symphony. I don't know if this really counts as a theory, but as a trans woman myself, I've always interpreted Megan Wallaby as trans due to her specifically being a male hand which later attached itself to a male body. I was curious what other Night Vale listeners thought. Also, fun fact, the Night Vale TV Tropes page lists Steve Carlsberg as a crouching moron, hidden badass. So congrats on that, I guess, Al. <laughs> Lily. Oh, and she drew uh, the two dots and a tongue sticking up. Well, Lily, <laughs> uh, I think it's more of a headcanon than a theory. It doesn't mean it's incorrect, but I think it's got a foundation, which is good. Also, what what is the deal with TV tropes? What is this website? What is this site? I've been on it before, and I don't quite understand it. I've never heard of that. Is it like a wiki? Is it a wiki? Somebody explain to Grandpa Hal what the hell's going on. I like Crouching Moron Hidden Badass. I'll own that 100%. But I also realize I don't really know much about this website, and I'm beginning to get suspicious. All right. Educate <laughs> Hal. I've never been to this particular website, as it uh, is not a food blog. So... <laughs> If it's not Google Maps or a food blog, I've never been to it. I've never been to Uber Javert. I've never been to Uber Javert. But yeah, Lily, thank you for, for sharing with the, the I'd never thought about this this way before. So this this is interesting to me. It is definitely something to consider that it's in play here as far as identity and uh, body goes. It's, yeah, I, I found it to be an interesting little headcanon. Totes. Now we'll consider, yeah. consider it. May writes... In the 40th episode, The Deft Bowman, it is revealed that other Night Valian towns exist outside of the greater Night Vale metropolitan area. I believe that Nulgorsk, the town in question, is one of many such towns scattered throughout the globe, connected by cobwebs of surreality. I live in western Washington state and often go backpacking in the Cascade Mountains. While driving to and from the mountains, I often come across small towns that look like they're straight out of Twin Peaks. It's fun to imagine that if I drive down the right country road, I'll come across the Pacific Northwest equivalent of Nightvale. The completely real town that I base my fantasies off of is Acme, Washington, 
The town consists of some rusty train tracks, the Acme Diner, which serves the best milkshakes and ice cream in the world by far. We'll see about that. I'll be right to your town. A sinister <laughs> government testing facility whose building is a large white hemisphere in the middle of a field and a billboard that says, Stop the Phony Water Crisis, all caps. My headcanon town is near where I live, but you could have one anywhere in the world, each embodying the region they inhabit, the way Night Vale embodies the American Southwest. Perhaps Huntakar has something to do with this? And that is where this letter stops. Well, May, <laughs> it's very interesting. The part that I really took away is this ice cream and milkshake deal, the Acme Diner. Uh, when are we going to do a show in Acme? And can I come? And can we have ice cream? I think let's do it. Or can it be, is it a stop? Is it a stop in between places on the way to something? We should it's find northwest. out. It's northwest. Northwest uh, is probably going to be between Seattle and Vancouver then if it's northwest. And also, is it really the best, or is it like they bring in, like, who knows, Haagen-Dazs ice cream, and just for the area, because you're not expecting it, it sort of takes you, you know what I mean? Like, it takes you off guard? Like, I don't know. My question is this. It's a milkshake. It's going to be delicious. That's not a question. It has to do with consistency, though, Meg. You can't just willy-nilly put a milkshake out there, because not all milkshakes are good, unfortunately. I've had ones that are like, eh, it's all right. I need Sometimes one that is like so thick that I turn my sinuses inside out trying to get it into my body. With from, with using the, the straw? Using the you're straw. Like, you're like sucking out part of your brain. Yeah. So yeah, so much that I collapse my sinuses and one of my eyes gets sucked into my own eye socket. I <coughs> detach my retina from the thickness oh. of this milkshake. That's what Symphony, I need. What was that place we went to that Steve and Chris from the uh, – uh, is this adulting Cookout. podcast? Cookout. We went to Cookout. We were in. We went to uh, Hattie B's for hot chicken in Nashville, and then they were like, "Hey, there's a cookout right over here, and they make the best milkshakes. It's like 900 different flavors." And we were like, and "What was, the hell?" It was very good milkshake, but I think it was has the thickness that you want because you would give yourself an aneurysm trying to pull anything out through a straw. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking to do. Get you to a cookout. First, girl. a blood festival. Blood Festival. That's funny. Blood Vessel is what I was hey, trying to Hey, are you going to, to Blood Festival this year, by the way? Did you get your tickets? No, nah, it's not the same. It's been... Yeah. It's just, I think it just gets too corporate, you know? Yeah, I like the idea the idea of multiple Night Vale-like places around the world. And there are those places. I feel like there, there are. Like um, Pemberton, New Jersey is a weird place. Yeah. Great name. And we've driven through so many places that have been like strange. And you're just like, what the heck kind of place is this? You know, and just had like weird stuff in those small communities where you're like anything could happen here or it could be a hills have eyes sort of situation. Next, we have a voicemail from Ari. Hey, guys, this is Ari. Just wanted to let you guys know how much I absolutely love your show. You're all so funny. It's wonderful to hear from you guys. Your commentary is great. I love listening to you so much. Today, I've called in with a question. Why Russian? It seems like whenever you guys want to make something extra weird, you throw in Russian. The Apache tracker ends up speaking Russian. The football player who grows a second head, the second head ends up speaking Russian. Uh, Megan Wallaby, when she gets a body, he's Russian. Uh, and then the sister town, Spitz, isn't that Russian too? I was just thinking, like, does Joseph or Jeffrey speak Russian? Is that maybe why Russian was chosen? Or is it just a complete coincidence that uh, everything seems to be connected to Russia somehow, whether they speak Russian or they're from Russia or all that? Thanks for listening. You guys have a wonderful day. Bye. 
So yeah, so Ari's wanting to know what the deal is with all the Russian. Ari asked whether Joseph and Jeffrey speak Russian. So yeah, so Russian. I think the way I the reason I think it is there is because I think that Russia is a little weird. It is. It's always like bizarro land America to me is Russia. Right. The way I think of it is just like it's yeah. like what if America, but another way, um, and in a way that is so weird and Soviet. But also still like deeply capitalist and like country proud, so yeah. So it is that. That's why. That's why I think the Russian is there. Is that it is like it's a bizarre thing. Yeah, Russia. Russia is a bizarre place. Yeah, definitely. There are definitely America parallels, like a bizarro America parallels to Russia, which can make you be like, huh? Oh no, I get it. And also, like it literally in almost every movie especially in the 80s and whatnot it was like who's our biggest enemy like like rocky he you know the russian and like because we used to be in a conflict with them and yeah for the years Cold War. on Boris and off. natasha right well and it's been on and off for like years. <laughs> well, that's Pottsylvania yes. to be fair moose and squirrel <laughs> but yeah also joseph and jeffrey are colluding with the russians but that's yeah, okay that's you're obvious. supposed to do that now no collusion no collusion no, you can collude. It's fine. Yeah. Oh. Some collusion. Some yeah, collusion. No. Some collusion. If they want to help, take the help, right? Like, it's not like yeah, they want to hurt us. <laughs> it's not like they I would mean, ever do anything. I mean, everybody does this. it. Yeah. It's got to be completely... If someone's offering help, that's help. There, it has there no strings attached. There's yeah. no strings attached. Anyway. Our world is a hellscape. Anyway, Thomas from Indianapolis writes, I don't remember what prompted it, but after Deft Bowman aired, I did some research. I found out about the real-world NATO nuclear preparedness exercise called Able Archer 83, 1983 being the year it was carried out. Supposedly, uh, some in the Soviet Union believed it was actually a cover-up for the first strike against them and set up their own nuclear weapons, bringing the world to the brink of nuclear war before the exercise ended and tensions ebbed. Since New Ligorsk never moved past 1983, as apparently described by the genderless spokesbeing, and Simone Rigado insists the world ended in 1983, I think it's a solid assumption that this is when Night Vale diverged from the timeline of the normal world with much of its history before that becoming retroactively weird. This is strongly supported by what we learn, spoiler alert, in episode 67. And much later in episode 109, a story about Hunkotar. Huh. Well, you know what? I haven't listened to any of those episodes because we're on only on episode 40. And that's how I'm living my life. But yes, that is <laughs> <laughs> that is actually super fascinating about the, the real life Abel Archer thing in 1983. Because like tensions have been, you know, were very high since, uh, you know, with the whole like Soviet Union and all that stuff. Even thinking about all of that stuff back then, like the way the maps were and Czechoslovakia and things like that. And like the things we learned when like Hal and I were in school, probably like the way the map was and like about the USSR and stuff and how that's not even a thing anymore. It's freaky and crazy and weird. And I'm glad it's over. That was a giant question mark because it's not. Anyway, goodbye. (laughs) Up next, we have a voicemail from Justin. Here it is. Hello, good morning, gang. It's Justin again, here to talk about one of my favorite episodes, Deft Bowman. It's definitely one of the better early episodes of Night Vale. 
Time travel stories are kind of like catnip to me, and although we already knew that time was weird in Night Vale, this is the first confirmation that there were, in fact, multiple timelines existing. Now, that same idea has underpinned a lot of what I would consider to be the standout episodes later as well. One of my favorite details about this episode is how strongly connected it is to the real-life Able Archer incident, where nuclear war was almost caused by a false missile warning system in Eastern Europe. Add in the veiled threats from Lauren about Carlos, and you have a really great, unsettling episode. I find myself coming back to this one whenever time travel is mentioned in the series or when we have collapsing realities. I think the way the characters react to information that doesn't match their own reality is really interesting in this, especially Cecil. Thanks for listening, and keep up the good work with this show. Well, there you go. The source of all time travel. No, it is interesting. This is sort of a touchstone for that idea of multiple story, uh, uh, multiple timelines, rather, and time travel being explored in a slightly different way, which is true. Uh, I'm glad it's one of your favorite early episodes of Night Vale. Yeah. I mean, it's good stuff. I think I think uh, some of what you touched on is, is some of what we touched on as well, and it's great yeah. that, that we all sort of uh, – it speaks to the quality of the piece that we're all sort of pulling the same pieces out of it. And that's something we all live in common. That's a beautiful thing, Justin. Thank you for continuing to voice in with your opinions and your theories and your comments. I also love time travel stories. They're, yeah, they're, they're fun to try to wrap your head around. And it's also some, something that I think I fantasize about a lot. I know people, lots of people fantasize about a lot, what you could do with the ability to control time or how things could possibly have gone different given one small factor and what that timeline would look like. So yeah. it is a uh, fertile ground for storytelling. Yeah. Well, it can be, so, it can be so deep and well, first of all, cause there's so many like possible problems that can arise from it. And I, I think people are, constantly amused by the idea of time travel because who hasn't wished that they could go back and change something or stay in one moment where they were happiest or where everything was more simple. I think that is a a tool that people use to try and understand and try and deal with like what they're living in right now by saying, Oh, but if I could have stayed in this moment or if I could go back to this moment, how would I have done it differently? Right. And it helps us problem solve for the future, potentially. All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want to support the show in a deeper way, you can. We've allowed you to do that at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. All sorts of fun perks there, including ad-free episodes, special bonus content. Go get involved. It doesn't cost much. And anything you can give is greatly appreciated and helps keep this show going. Next week, episode 41, Walk. Until then. Good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good morning, Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart. It is mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to tell us definitively which animals are real. This show is powered by our patrons like Jennifer Coons, Jessamine Reed, Howard Shelfer, 
Derek, and Greg Stovall. If you are interested in supporting this show in exchange for lots of exclusive hyper cool kid content, check out patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's proverb is accidentally. I accidentally chased a family of geese for over a mile while out running today. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Drew. I make a Sleep With Me podcast. It's a bedtime story podcast here at Night Vale Presents. And I just want to tell you about the show. It's a podcast to help you fall asleep, uh, just like somebody having a friend over to tell you a, a lulling, soothing, strange, meandering bedtime story. But I also want you to know the reason I make the show is because I know how it feels uh, not to be able to sleep. And it's really important to me uh, to, to try to bring some uh, levity and comfort uh, to the deep, dark night. So if you know how it feels uh, when you can't fall asleep, if you're tossing and turning and you're looking for something to take your mind off of that, uh, just open up your podcast app and search for Sleep With Me uh, and give it a listen. Thanks. From Pete.